0: Last week, we talked about Jesus Christ being the lamb. We said that when John the Baptist sees him, he says, behold the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. Throughout scripture in the New Testament, as well as with the imagery of the Old Testament, we see that the lamb is mentioned numerous times and God's require, his his request and his requirement for us is that we would offer up a sacrifice, which is the first and the best. And God himself modeled that for us by giving his first and his best for our redemption. Um, have you ever heard something like this from maybe a coworker? Maybe you actually believe this before. The statement that's been made, which is, you know, as long as you believe in God and you try to be a good person, you know, as long as you do your best, your religion doesn't really matter. All, all roads lead to that same pinnacle or all paths lead up the same mountain. We've heard that said before because that's the secular understanding of it being that any religion can take you to God. But the truth of the matter is is Christ is very exclusionary in his claims. He says that is not the case whatsoever, and I would tell you flat out it's a lie. Not all roads lead to Washington, D.C. <laughs> not all roads lead to... Biloxi, which is your favorite city in Mississippi, right? Not all roads lead to the northeast or to where we can take one road and transition to another and transition to another and through the spider web of our infrastructure, get to where we want to go. But not all roads lead to the same place. The same thing can be true uh, and is true of the word of God. The prevailing wisdom of our day says that you can get to heaven however you choose. It's politically correct to say this. It's tolerant to say this. It's seemingly reasonable to make a statement like this. Um, It doesn't ruffle any feathers if you were to make that sort of statement. But it's untrue, it is wrong. Jesus actually has the nerve to say something pretty incredible. Go with me to John chapter 14. We're going to read in the first few verses of John chapter 14. If you don't have your device or your Bible, you can look on the screen. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again And receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Verse 4, and where I go now, or where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus replies, he says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the highway to heaven has been closed for centuries. It's not been closed by God himself. It's been closed due to our own misdoings, our own misdeeds, our own obstacles that we put in the way. We are the ones who set up the roadblock that could not be moved. Somehow some way when sin entered, it devastated humanity from the moment it came until the moment it will be banished forever and only through Jesus Christ can we experience the freedom from sin. In John chapter 14, I want to give you some context of what's been going on. Jesus says, yeah, thank you for that. Amen. I I appreciate the shout. That's good. It helps me roll this morning. In John chapter 14, where we read 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is sharing with them the last minutes of his life before he goes to be crucified. He repeatedly says to them, the Holy Spirit is going to come. I'm going to not leave you alone. I want to give you a good gift. It's the promise of the Father. He's going to enable you to have courage in these last days. He's going to give you a blessing which you have never experienced yet before. So Jesus is telling them all this stuff, but it helps us to know what happened in chapter 13. In chapter 13, the context is is that Jesus has come into town, the town, the city of Jerusalem, and he's come there in order to be there to celebrate Passover. How many of you know what Passover is? Some of us in the room know what Passover is. Some of you might need a refresher, so let me help you out. Passover is a spring festival that the Jewish people celebrate every year, and they've done it since the days of Moses. They celebrate the exodus of the people of Israel from Egyptian slavery. And so they, they have this time together that they share and celebrate over several days where they talk about God's deliverance and his salvation. I want you to listen today with your spiritual ears. Jesus is coming into the city of Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and he will be killed during the Passover feast and celebration. The Bible calls him our Passover lamb. Exodus chapter 12, I want to read to you two verses. You can write it down or go there with me. Verse 12 through 14. It says this, God's word to his people, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Verse 13, he says, now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you go. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. So God is giving the people of Israel this many years ago that imagery to have with them to understand that blood is required, a sacrifice from a spotless lamb and sacrifice is required. This is the detail that they've got in context going into every single Passover. I've had the ability to go and to share some time with Jewish friends and what they call the Passover Seder. It's a special meal where they celebrate and they do exactly the instructions that you find in Exodus chapter 12. They dip bitter herbs in certain uh, liquids and then they share lamb together. They eat certain parts of it. They don't eat other parts. They follow the guidelines of scripture as they observe this Passover. In John chapter one, he's called the lamb of God. In Exodus 12, he's the lamb without defect. In first Peter one, he's the lamb without blemish or spot or... any type of defect or malady he's without blemish because his life was completely free from sin revelation chapter 5 says this the john who is watching what's unfolding in heaven he's getting a snapshot of what's there he says i saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain as he references what he looks at and he sees christ So Christ's blood applied to our hearts causes God's judgment to pass over the sinner's heart and to give life to the believer. This is the imagery that we should have during Passover. Passover that we understand on our calendar is usually in context with what we celebrate as Easter. So in John chapter 13, Jesus has now washed the disciples' feet. He's also determined who his betrayer is. The Bible says that Judas took the bread and he, he, in that moment, Satan entered into his heart and Jesus said to him, do what you must do quickly. And some of the disciples, as airheaded as they were, said, I guess that means he's going to go get more food or he's got to go get more groceries or something for the Passover. Okay, so they just let him go. They don't understand the context of what's happening. Now Jesus begins to speak to Peter. Judas has left the room. He's speaking directly to Peter and he says, Peter... In these last moments of my life, you're going to deny me three times. No, it can't be, Lord. That's not going to happen. And then he takes right from there. As we know, the Bible is divided in chapter and verse for our benefit, but it was not written as such. So he goes right from that moment of talking with Peter about the denial of himself And then he says these words that we've read in John chapter 14, verse 1. And he says, but let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he talks about his plan after he leaves this place. He's going to prepare a place for each one of us. And then he says, when Thomas replies to him and says, but where are you going? How will we find you? If you leave us right now, what will we have to do? And he says, you know how to get there. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So this morning, as we talk about death to life, and we've talked about the context of what Passover means, I want to examine those three statements that Jesus himself, those claims that Jesus himself makes about himself. He says first that he is the way. Scripture is clear that Jesus is the only way for us to be reconciled to God. The Bible tells us that at the beginning of creation, God meant for us to be together with him for all eternity, but we botched things up leave it to the hands of Adam and Eve and they royally messed it up for every one of us. But don't cast too much blame on them because if it was you and your husband, you and your wife, you would have had the same sort of response. It is inside of us that we desire to go a different way than the way of God. If you have a kid or a grandkid, you know what disobedience looks like. Okay? So Jesus Christ is the way for us to be reconciled and brought back into fellowship with God. There are not many Ways there is only one. The good news of our redemption through Christ's death and his resurrection is not off limits to anyone. We call it free access. Anybody can get it. It doesn't matter if you've killed 100 people. It doesn't matter if you've been uh, a sexual deviant. It doesn't matter if you've robbed, if you've stolen. It doesn't matter if you've harmed, if you've hurt. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your habit right now. It doesn't matter the hang-up or the hurt that you carry. Christ is enough to cover all of that, and he wants to. So it's an open-access thing. So in this, we say that we are not exclusive we would use the word possibly inclusive. But we live in a day and an age where people use that term with high regard and increasingly high regard. If you're not inclusive, you're considered a bigot if you don't include everyone you're considered somebody who should be you know defamed or dethroned or pushed out and sidelined in society but for one i'm really excited that there's exclusions that apply to our police officers <laughs> I'm excited that our military can't just take and accept anybody. There's a qualifying before they get in. I'm excited that there are places that are members only, and I don't wanna be a member in some of those places. I'm glad I'm a member of a gun range, and when I go there, only members and their guests are there. We don't let any willy-nilly people come running in to do what they want. It's exclusionary, and that is what's safe. Now, the Bible tells us that the gospel message is exclusionary. It says, come one, come all. Everyone who comes or who wants to come can come and drink of this water, which is the water of life that Christ offers. But once you've got it, you're now in an exclusive arrangement. There's nothing else to be added to this. So not all paths lead to God. It is not off limits to anyone. It's available to everyone. So we could say that our faith is inclusive and exclusive at the same time. It's inclusive in its approach, but it's it's exclusive in its message people have been upset about this exclusivity of the christian faith and belief since the days of christ they've been hot and bothered and twisted up about this exact thing. Peter got into trouble in Acts chapter 4. I want to read to you what he says in front of the council. He says this in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. He says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name except Jesus Christ under heaven given among men by which we must or can be saved. So we have to understand. That the gospel message is exclusive, in that he says he is the only way. I try not to soapbox very often, but I'm gonna say this right now. I feel like our society is heading in a direction that we have not yet seen the full ramifications of what it looks like to be completely inclusive in every area, and I want to guard my family, and I implore you to guard your mind and guard your heart, guard your family from the attack of the enemy, which I really believe is absolutely real in today's day and age, and it's trying to erode or erase that social fabric of our lives. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says this, There is one God, one mediator between God and man. That man's name is not Buddha, it's not Muhammad, a prophet that some consider. It's not anybody else. It says that one man is Jesus Christ and him alone. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus Christ is speaking, and he's speaking to those who are gathered there. He says this in verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by or who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So he's the only way to God. We've got to understand this. He's the only one in whom we can hope. The Bible in Revelation chapter 20 clearly tells us that there will come a day when we will experience a separation. There will be a separation. Humanity will be separated. Those who have not received and believed him will be separated. They'll be called. They'll be brought apart from those who are included, who have received him and believed on him. They'll be excluded from an eternity with God. Just this week, we started some filming, a filming project over at River of Life Church. in Brandon, a pastor friend of mine, Pastor Brett Nettles, who pastors over there, he and I went. Uh, Cameron, Pastor Cameron was there with us, and he was helping out as well. We were there, and we were recording some video footage of what our beliefs are as a church. Pastor Cameron can tell you. We got through all of these You know, man has fallen and he's come short, but God is saving. We believe in the Trinity of God. God is Father. He is Son. He is Holy Spirit. We believe in this and we believe in, and then we get to the the end stuff. And at the end, it's there's going to be a final judgment and there's going to be a this and there's going to be a that. And I I was sitting there thinking, you know, my demeanor changed. When you're talking about hell, you can't really be all that happy. (laughs) And then I started to think, you know what, rather than just declaring that there is a hell and that there is eternal punishment, why don't we spin this for God's good and for our good and implore the people of God who watch the video to do their best to try to assist in the rescue attempt from all of those who are going in that direction. So not just giving them the truth without any hope, we've got to offer them the hope of the world. And you and I have this hope. We have it as an anchor for the soul, the Bible says, so that we can minister the life of Christ, his teaching to others. So though the world is constantly changing, the truth of salvation in Christ alone, by faith alone and by grace alone, never changes. Let me also give you a word of warning. There can be no, I've hinted to this already, but there can be no pollution of your belief. You cannot take the teachings of the Quran and reconcile them to the scripture, the Bible. You cannot take the teachings of Buddha or of the other faiths of the world and marry them into the Bible. You should not be doing that with the the thoughts or teachings of someone named Joseph Smith. You shouldn't even be doing it with Paul the Apostle he actually shows back up in correction to a church, and he says this, don't believe anything even if I tell you to try to change what I originally told you because God himself gave that to me to give to you. So if I get old and senile and I show up and start telling you it's not through Christ alone, kick me out. That's what he says. So don't take Dexter's word for it. Don't take Joseph Smith. Don't try to marry any other ideology to the Bible. It stands alone. Amen? Amen. So it's in Christ alone. He is the way. He's also the truth. Truth is rooted in the eternal God who's all-powerful and he is unchangeable. We talk about this from time to time and I give you this big word. It's called the immutability of God. It's a theological term that helps us understand there is no necessity for him to change. It doesn't matter what the weather is. It doesn't matter what humans have done here on the earth. It doesn't matter how long we're here or how short we're here. There is no reason for him to change because he is a superlative, the superlative of all superlatives. He is the greatest and the best. There's no reason for him to alter or adapt or to change. So truth is rooted in who God is. Jesus' prayer in John 17 says this in verse 17 sanctify them by the truth he's talking to the father and he says to the father your word is truth Let me tell you, truth is more than facts. How many of you have heard the term fake news these days? Okay? We've all heard it. Unless you're living under a rock, you've heard that term, fake news. Okay? We're not talking about politics today. We're talking about Jesus Christ being the only way. Okay? But in Him is truth, and in Him is where we can find our source of truth. So whether or not we get assaulted with fake news or people who are spinning the facts the way they want to, truth is more than facts. It's not just something that we act upon. The fact is, truth acts upon us. Truth acts upon us. Even the hearts that long, and every human heart longs for truth. But somehow, as sick as we can be, and as ill as we can be, we reject truth, even though we long for it. Because once confronted with truth, change is necessary. And that is what it really looks like for us to understand it. We can't change the truth. I love that phrase that, from the movie. You can't handle the truth. Yes, you can. With God's help, Jesus Christ is the truth, and we ought to give him to everyone. We cannot change the truth, but the truth can truly change us. Christ is the embodiment of truth. He's the source of truth. The Bible tells us, though heaven and earth will pass away, God's truth never will. So, truth is reality. It's the way that things really are. What seems to be and what really is are often not the same. How many of you found that to be true? True, pun intended. You found that to be the truth in your life, that sometimes you assume something a certain way, and then when you're confronted with the fact, you're like, oh, I had it all wrong. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Okay, so we, we have to work within the context of what truth is. To know the truth is to see clearly and accurately. But to believe a lie, to believe a lie truly means that we are living in blindness until the truth opens up our eyes, opens up the window of our heart so that we can see life as it truly is is scripture declares that God has written his truth on our hearts in our conscience even those who have not yet come to faith in Christ we can know that God through his glory and creation the Bible says that the heavens declare the handiwork of God that we have a witness even if no one ever speaks about Christ to someone they've got a witness even in creation that shows and demonstrates God's truth when the world hears truth If it's spoken graciously, many are drawn to it because there's a vacuum, a moral vacuum inside of us that longs for it even as uncomfortable as it can be. As followers of Christ, we're to walk in the truth, according to 3 John 1.3. We're to love the truth. We're to believe the truth, according to 2 Thessalonians 2. We're to speak the truth in love, according to Ephesians chapter 4. And here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm on a soapbox again. You can love them all you want, but love alone will not change a heart. If there's a Christian in the room today, you ought to say amen. Love alone cannot change the human heart. It's when truth is spoken in love and when we're confronted with the understanding of what the truth really is, what it means. And that's why we talk about the gospel being good news because there's bad news to be had. So we've got to get this in our spirit and we've got to, and I'm gonna tell you just like I said during our video film, our filming of our videotape, I wanna say this to you. I'm begging you. I believe by the Spirit of God inside of me, God Himself is imploring you today to not hide your light under a bushel. Don't let fear, don't let the, the societal context of today, don't let anything stop you from sharing the love of Christ and the truth of who he is and what he can do. The Jews were all screwed up and messed up. They thought he was coming in to give them a social deliverance. They thought he was coming to deliver them politically. They thought he was coming in to deliver them economically and to set things right. But he was coming for so much more than that. So when people come to me and they say, I need help in this area of my life, I tell them Christ is the answer. He's the one that can help them navigate through that, regardless of what it is, because he, as the truth, touches every corner Of my being. Whatever it is, a relationship issue, a financial issue, a sickness, anything, God Himself can touch it through the truth that's found in Christ alone. And truth is far more than a moral guide. In John chapter 14, verse 6, when we when we read that verse, it says that Jesus didn't say he would show the truth or that he would teach the truth or that he would model the truth. He says that he is the truth, he is truth personified. Here's an interesting side note about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being God, the Bible says and calls him, John chapter 15 calls him the spirit of truth. In God, there can be no error or lie. There is no mis- There's no no fake news in the kingdom of God. There's nothing that should be, or uh, there are lots of things that could be twisted, but in God's word, there is nothing that is not true. He will guide you into all truth about the spirit of God, it says in John chapter 16. He is the one, the Holy Spirit is the one who sparks the desire for truth in our hearts. And he's the one that leads us to the cross. He's the one that ministered to your heart Years ago, days ago, weeks ago, however long ago, he's the one that drew your heart to say, I think I want to know more about this man who is God in flesh appearing. That's the hope that we have is that God in him, there is no error and there is no lie. So he's the way, he's the truth, and he is the life. In Genesis chapter 2, the Bible tells us that God breathed and he created life. It says that he breathed into the nostrils of man and caused life to come forth. It says that he spoke and creation was formed. Psalm 36, the psalmist says this, For with you, O God, is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. John chapter 1, when John opens up the book, he, he actually mentions the word truth. That's a side note from the second point there. He actually mentions the word truth more than 20 times in the book of John. And he's referencing Christ. But here in John chapter one, he says this, in the beginning was the word with a capital W. It's what he called Christ. And the word was with God and the word was God He was in the beginning with God. Verse 3 says, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the light was the light of men. So God is the author of life. He's the giver of life. Jesus Christ is the word that brings life. This is why it's so important in today's day and age that we talk about these things that are affecting our society out there. When they talk about abortion, when they talk about that stuff, we need to understand there's a message of compassion and grace for those who have experienced a loss of any sort. But there's also a message of truth that's got to be spoken, that we have got to see God as the author of life and that we cannot just willy nilly snuff it out at our own whim. Jesus had been telling his disciples about his impending death and now he was claiming to be the source of all life. In this kind of confusing, you know, we kind of pin it on the disciples all the time, but I'll give Jesus a little bit of credit. He was a little bit backwards to what they were imagining. So it took them a long time to come around. So he's been talking about his death and let's go to Passover. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm gonna, and he's telling them all that. And then he's saying, I am the author or I'm the giver of life. He's the source of life. In John chapter 10, it says this in verse 17 and 18. I hope I'm not too caffeinated for you today. Are you guys good? You good? You feeling? All right. Just a few minutes left here, but I want to get through this understanding that he is life. And in him, the Bible tells us, is life abundantly. So in John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18, Jesus declared that he was going to lay down his life for his sheep and then take it back again. He speaks of his authority over life and over death as it being granted to him by the Father. In John chapter 14, verse 19, later in the passage that we were reading, it says that he gives the promise that because I live, you also can live or you also will live. So this deliverance was meant to be a deliverance from a life of bondage to sin and to death to a life of freedom and grace and reconciliation for him, for all, to him, for all eternity. I, I ask you, and I tell you, I ain't scared. Go check it out. Research some of the world religions. Take a look at the Sikh temple that's just being built on the highway on 20, going to Pearl. Take a listen to someone who teaches out of the Quran or someone who talks about reconciliation or uh, reincarnation and that it's an unending, I'm going to be doing this forever kind of thing. Try to reconcile those things with the teaching of Christ himself. You can't, he stands alone. Every other religion of the world seen that we've ever known in our history says if you do this, you'll get this. And all we know is through Christ alone, the work was done and all I've got to do is open up myself to him. I'm preaching a message to you today, and you might say, Pastor, I know, I got this. Check. Listen, I want you to take this with you to Monday, to Tuesday, to Wednesday, to the people in your life who need to hear about the hope that is Christ, that Buddha leads nowhere, that Hare Krishna goes nowhere, that you can never find that eternal peace after having been recycled so many times in this life or reincarnated. It's through Christ and him alone. So he was staking his claim as the very God of creation, the Holy One who inhabits eternity, his disciples still didn't understand the truth of his words until he had resurrected himself and showed up with nail scars in his hands. And he, he says to the disciple, touch, feel, you can see, I am the one who is dead but now alive. I live again. When he resurrected, he showed himself to them. And it's at this point point, that their lives changed. It changed their life and in turn, they changed their world. So when we talk about loving all and impacting our world, we don't have this giant grandiose goal of trying to make sure that everybody hears the gospel from here to Timbuktu, which I hear is an actual place. But we want to make sure that we impact our world every bit of our family every bit of our coworkers every bit of the people that we're around so stop hiding your light under a bushel get bold take that from the word of god this morning this isn't me trying to drive some point home i'm telling you that if you've got the message of hope for humanity how dare we not share it whenever we have the opportunity We can share lots of things. I walked into Home Depot the other day, and I got into a six-minute conversation about the Patriots with a Patriot fan who saw my hat on when I walked in the door. And he started, you know, oh, man, wasn't that great? Five, six minutes elapsed, and we talked about everything from the coach to the plays of the game to, you know, the miracle of five rings. And, yeah, all you haters, just listen to me because I got the mic, okay? All right, so we talked about all of that stuff, okay, And I thought to myself as I walked away, it really ought to be that easy for us to share our faith. And I'm not telling you because I am an anti-corny Christian. I don't like it. it. It smells bad to me. All the weird stuff that people... Cameron, Pastor Cameron, this is for you, buddy. Pastor Cameron, he can sniff it out too. I, listen, I'm okay if you wear a Jesus saved me shirt or delivered me or something, but that's not the message. The message is when I look at someone in the face and I hear their hurt and I tell them God can heal them. That's what the message is. So don't get stuck in all of the Christian doings when we're wrapped up in all of that stuff, but we're not being the church that Christ called us to be that's devastating. You know what it is? It's more than devastating. It's crippling to the life of the church as well. So if you're not doing your job, do like Bill Belichick says. Do your job. Do your job as a believer. Let this change your life. And if it's changed you, if it's really changed you, give it away because it's free. Amen? 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 All right. So, The disciples understood his words and there that happened when they were changed and then they changed the world. The Bible tells us that he gives us the power. God himself gives us the power to live out our faith and the requirements to accomplish it. He gives us the power to become new people. I love the phrasing in the Old Testament. He says that I will exchange their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. We talk about this all the time, about having a new birth or being born again. I hope that you're in this room today and you're born again. If you're not, we're going to give you an opportunity in just a moment to receive. And it's so easy. All you've got to do, and I mean, it it might sound like I'm the sham wow guy. I'm not. But I'm telling you, it's really easy. There's no 39 payments of 39.95. okay? You do have to sell your entire life. Jesus asks a lot of us when we come to him. But as a result, he says, I'll give you all of myself, and I'll do it for free. Amen? Worship team, would you come and join me? We can be raised to life again because he himself conquered death. If there is one thing that conquers all of us, it is death. And yet Christ himself was able to conquer death, hell, and the grave. I love it. It's been in my spirit these last few days as I worship the Lord when I hear music or if I'm reading the word of God. And I begin to just proclaim, you've never been defeated. There's nothing that's ever gotten you. He's victorious. That's, w- that's who he is. He literally has never been defeated. He won't be defeated now or ever. And just because maybe we've experienced defeat in our own lives in a certain way or in a relationship or in a problem that we face, it doesn't mean that God can't help us overcome that thing. Would you stand with me today? We've been closing our services a little bit differently recently as we've done a few songs at the front end and then we try to have a moment where we connect with the Lord again in a a song. But I wanna ask you today, I wanna ask you today to, to connect with God by yourself. Would you just close your eyes in this room? We don't have to look around, we don't have to check our watch or our text messages. You don't even have to sing the words that the worship team sings. But I'm I'm begging you today, by the Spirit of God in me, to say, connect with your Father today. Thank him that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Maybe today you need to, you needed to be reignited with your understanding of what that looks like. Maybe today you want prayer and we can pray for you. I'd love to meet you over on this side of the sanctuary and we'll pray. And Pastor Cameron will join me. He'll pray for you. We'll pray together, but we want you to be able to follow Christ and to be able to share him with others. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've been blinded and I haven't really walked in the way, the truth, and the life, and I need Christ today, would you just lift your hand right now? Anybody in this room? Anyone here? We'll let your spirit speak to us, God. Hallelujah. The gift of salvation is free. If there's anybody here today, I make the appeal one more time. Lift your hand so I can see it and I can pray with you today. Having no hands raised, I have to believe that in this room, every person is a believer. So I'm going to tell you to, to pray a prayer today, whisper it to the Lord, and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Maybe it's something I touched on that or maybe it's something I didn't in my message, but the Holy Spirit is touching on in your heart. He can do many things with the same message depending on the heart of the receiver. So today as we worship with this last song, just open yourself up to the Holy Spirit of God and ask him, speak to me, help me to apply this. And then I'll come back and we'll pray a closing prayer in a few moments. But if you need prayer for any reason, a relational issue, a problem at your job, healing, Anything like that, I'd love to meet you right here. And you can come and receive prayer as the worship team leads us.